Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au How's everybody doing this morning? Great. So good to have you in church. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me. To Matthew chapter 19, verse 5. Matthew 19, verse 5. I want to look at one scripture. Just one verse. Matthew chapter 19, verse 5. And then we're going to get into the word. The Bible says this. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother... And be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy, and we thank you for your spirit that is present here today. And Lord, if we can understand your word, it's only because of your spirit and because uh, of a spirit of wisdom and revelation. It's you that opens our eyes and helps us to see what we cannot see with our own. Would you speak to us today by the Spirit? Would you use our words today to be able to speak into, the, into our lives so that we can walk out of this place changed with a greater revelation of who you are? Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom. Let there be nothing in us that hinders your word today, I pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin uh, a new series, a two-part series this morning entitled From This Day Forward. Uh, I want to speak over the next two weeks on the whole subject of marriage. And I think it's really important for us to uh, talk on the subject from time to time. And the good news to this morning is Lena's going to be helping with the, me with the message today. Come on. Uh, she's actually going to be helping me. So um, I'm going to uh, be introducing the topic and and then she's going to come up and take over from me. It's going to be like the Olympics, you know, the handing over. And the reason why the two of us are going to do uh, this, this message together, because our marriage is almost perfect, you understand? We've been married for 32 years, and our marriage is, well, very close to perfect. If you come to our house, you'll see the cupids flying around. I mean, you'll hear the harps playing in the, the angels. That's in between the screams, get out of bed, you lazy so-and-so. But in between that, you'll hear the harps playing really nicely. And uh, that's not true. Our marriage is normal. Okay. Um, one of the things we experience in life, um, sorry, of all the things that we experience in life, nothing comes with such high expectations as marriage. We live in a world where the media, Hollywood, romance, novels, even the music creates this unrealistic view of what marriage should be like and what we should experience. Lewis Wright wrote a song that Michael Bolton sings. How many people know Michael Bolton? You know, just give me, uh, yep, yeah, all the oldies. Okay. Uh, it's called When a Man Loves a Woman. How many people know that song? Come on. Here's how the lyrics go. It's beautiful. When a man loves a woman, he can't keep his mind on nothing else. He'd trade the world for the good thing that he has found. Is that true, guys? Yeah, yeah right. right. Isn't that romantic? This guy's amazing. He'll trade anything just to be with her. When a man loves a woman, he'd give up all his comforts and sleep out in the rain if she said that's the way it ought to be. Isn't that sweet? I, I can see that, can't you ladies? Come on. Come on, he's going to sleep out in the rain. If she, all she needs to say, would you sleep in the rain? He needs, oh, yes. 
I'll do anything for you. Until they get married, of course. And then she says, can you put out the rubbish? <laughs> can you put your dirty clothes in the laundry? Can you fix the leaky tap? And he says, I'm busy. See you later. What are you doing? Yeah. And on it goes. We have all these crazy expectations about marriage. And when these expectations aren't met, there's disappointment, discouragement, hurt, pain, anger, and extreme situations, separation, and even divorce. And my greatest concern and why I want to tackle this subject, I've been thinking about this for some time now, is because my, my greatest concern is not so much the erosion of the family in our society. We know that's real and we know that's happening. But my greatest concern is the erosion of the family within the Christian home. Sad part is that we can, we can even be oblivious. We can, be, we can have a family unit or a marriage that's eroding. We don't even know it's happening. It's a bit like having carbon dioxide in our homes. You can see it, you can smell it, you can't see it, you can't smell it, but it slowly, gradually takes the life out of you until you're dead and you don't even know it. Today, many Christian homes are characterized by, by turmoil, and that's certainly not the will of God. That was, when God instituted the family and marriage, he, he didn't think it would be something that would be characterized by turmoil. We seem to be forgetting the basic Christian values that underpin our godly home. We're too busy to pray, things are more important than church, and so on and so on. The problem is we're so busy building our houses, we've forgotten to build our homes. We assume that if we just come together and we're married, then everything is going to be fine. That's what the movies tell us, isn't it? And that's kind of what we expect. And because of that, many times marriage is suffering. Listen, God is not so much interested in where we live, but how we live. God isn't so much interested in where we live, but how we live as married union and as a family. Listen to what the Bible says. Homes are built on the foundation of wisdom and understanding. When we neglect the wisdom of God's word, our marriages and homes suffer. Homes are built on the foundation of God's word. But when we build on, on his wisdom, it doesn't matter whether you're a single parent, the only Christian in your home, it doesn't matter. When we build on, on the principles of God's word, our families and our marriages flourish. Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God. Put God first in your home. Put him first in your marriage and all of these things shall be added unto you. The first and greatest commandment of all the commandments is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is like these, love your neighbor as yourself. Put the first things first and the second, third, fourth will take care of themselves. Question is, how can we experience kind of marriage that God intended us to have. Well, when a couple exchanges vows at a wedding, they say, I take you according to God's holy word to be my wife or husband, to have and to hold. Come on, what's the next line from? From this day forward. Thank you. <laughs> I love the line because it's not about what happened yesterday. It's not, it's not about what's happened in the past. It's from today on, we're going to seek to do certain things. We're going to try and do certain things. And I pray that God is going to speak to us this morning as we look at this really important topic. And, and we can all learn something. And it's kind of like a refresher. This morning is going to kind of be like a bit of a refresher course. But it's really important for us to hear some of this because um, it'll help us in our marriages. And the principles we're going to share not only apply to marriage, but they also apply 
to relationships as well of any kind. It's certainly going to help all of us here today. So a few principles to share. I'm going to share the first one and then I'm going to hand over to, to, to Lana who's got a lot more wisdom and uh, you're going to be blessed this morning. First principle to having a great marriage is building a deep friendship. It's building a deep friendship. It's what marriage is about. It's the goal of marriage. It's what we're trying to achieve. What is the goal? What, when we think about marriage, when we, when we have these kind of ideas in our mind about what marriage should look like, the thing that we're looking for and hoping to get is a deep friendship. The Bible says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. It's really important scripture because it reminds us of the purpose of marriage. It's not just to raise a family. It's not just to buy a house to help each other. We don't get married because we need someone to cook and clean for us. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Amen. Grumble, grumble. Purpose. We're going to talk about conflict this morning, so you, some of you obviously need it. Purpose. The goal of marriage is oneness. Come on, church. Listen carefully. It's intimacy. It's closeness. It's togetherness. It's understanding. It's friendship. It's what it's about. The two people shall become one. That, that, that two people, the more they're married, they're going to, become, they're going to get closer and closer and closer to one, to one another. It's two people with different life experiences, perplexities, ways of doing things, becoming one person, becoming one, becoming best friends as they do life together. John Gottman, who wrote a book called The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work, which I thoroughly recommend. It's, an, it's, a, it's a great book. I, I, it's a, a, a great book on the whole subject of marriage. I thoroughly recommend that everyone should read it. He says this, 80% of divorced men and women said their marriage broke up because they gradually grew apart and lost a sense of closeness. He says the most important component to happy marriages is deep friendship. Friendship, he says, fuels the flames of romance. So the picture I get in my mind when I think about that, when I think about oneness is, is these two old people that have been married forever and uh, they're kind of holding hands, sitting together and they actually kind of look like one person, if you know what I'm saying. Kind of, except if they're Italians because usually one of them's walking way in front, you know, and the other one's walking behind somewhere. Uh, but they're one person, they're one person. Question is, how do we do that? Well, the reality is you need to be intentional about building a friendship. No friendship just happens. We live in an instant world. We want everything to happen quickly now. The, you know, it's a drive-through. No friendship is ever going to work like that. You need to be intentional about building it. And that's true of any friendship, especially when it comes to marriage. Paul says to the Ephesians, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. In other words, if deep friendship is the goal, it's going to require effort. It's going to require work. It's not just going to happen. My understanding of life is that um, anything that's worthwhile requires work. Anything that has any kind of value requires work. You know, you want to get a good body, it's going to require work. You want to have a nice garden, you're going to have to pull out the weeds. You want to lose weight, it's going to require a lot of work. Uh, and so too in marriage, it's not just going to happen. It's going to require a few things that we need to do. But if we do the work, if we're intentional about building friendship, then we'll reap the benefits of a great marriage. First thing we need to do is understand that marriage is all about closeness. Come on, will you give Lana a big, 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 big well welcome as she comes to tell us how. Morning. Well, let me tell you, 
Joe and I have been on our best behaviour this week because we've been preparing this sermon, so there's been no fights, no, no nasty words. <laughs> so we need to do this message more often, I think. Anyway, as he said, we've been married 32 years, so you know we're still very much a work in progress and we're definitely not perfect. We're just like uh, the rest of you. And uh, I find it a real privilege this morning just to unpack some of these things uh, for us to learn together um, and definitely refresh um, you know, our memories and even for me and Joe. Um, so some of the material that we're going to talk about is like what Joe said, uh, the Gottman book, and um, I find them really useful. Um, so some of the material will be founded in the Gottman method for couple counselling. So straight up, we'll get into good communication. So um, Joe spoke about friendship, and uh, the second one is good communication. So to build a great marriage, we need to build uh, good communication. So one of the main reasons why a lot of couples actually come into couple counselling is because the communication's broken down or they kind of just didn't get off on the right foot to begin with. So the basis of a great relationship is having a deep friendship. To cultivate a deep friendship, we need to keep up good communication. Do you know when we first start dating, there's lots of talk. You know, we spend so much time together, we can't get enough information from each other and it's chat, 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 and then we leave each other on the phone because you didn't get enough information the first time. So unfortunately, when we get married, the busyness of life creeps in. It's not because we do it on purpose and, you know, we don't have time to chat. We don't have time to catch up and find out what's going on for each other. And, you know, uh, we start having busy lifestyles, work, children come along and then we neglect to connect. So the way we nourish our lives, we also need to nourish our relationship through continually knowing and being known. So it's not just about me, it's about me knowing my spouse as well. Our lives are not static, our lives are always changing. So the person you married is not going to be the same person five years, ten years later. Different things happen, we change, we have different life experiences. So that's why it's really important to keep updated with what's happening in their lives. Jesus gave a beautiful example of this in the book of Revelation when he spoke to the church in Ephesus who had fallen out of love with God. Although the church was good and had great intentions and did lots of great things, they had lost their first love. They had let other things get in the way of their relationship with him. Jesus said, consider how far you have fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. So what uh, he was referring to was being in love with him, uh, seeking to spend time, but they'd slipped away and neglected their relationship with him. That was true of their relationship with God and can be true of our relationships with our spouses. So how do we ensure that we continue to strengthen our relationships? By spending time together. That's an easy one. Talking about everyday things. It doesn't have to be deep and meaningful. Speaking to each other about our stresses, our worries and our joys, our likes and our dislikes. Joe likes to speak a lot about his like for chocolate and ice cream. So I always have to stay very updated with the latest flavour, the latest brand, because dare I come home with the wrong one, I'll be eating it. Um, talking about our dreams, telling stories of our life experiences, it's always interesting to sometimes get into those conversations about you know, stuff that happened in our childhood. It just gives us a nicer, rounded version of why we are the way we are. So the more we know each other, the more we know how we're wired up, the better we can understand each other and the deeper we can become. The aim of our relationship is a close emotional connection. So this is what makes marriage different from every other relationship. We have chosen to do life with this special person. So good communication forms a strong bond. It's for our enjoyment to feel loved and belonged. Hard times do come, so that's why an important bond is really important. We never know what curveballs life can throw us, so we can weather the storms together. Challenges are the litmus test for our relationship. They can either make or break us. Good communication and closeness will also 
help us get through times of conflict. So number three, build a great relationship is to learn how to manage conflict. I think that's our favourite thing, marriage, isn't it? How, do, how we choose to manage conflict is what can bring us closer together or can wound us and separate us. Although we look to, um, you know, the experts in the field uh, for information on how do we get through some of the difficulties of a relationship, but, you know, one thing I found, every time I go back to the Bible, there's verses that are glaring, that kind of tell us the same thing. So it was there way before the beginning of time. Sometimes we just miss it. So right off the bat, we have James who says, my dear brothers and sisters, note he doesn't say just my dear brothers and he doesn't say just my dear sisters. He says, pay attention to this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. That's in James 1.19. That's conflict management 101 right there. Instead, we don't listen, we are fast to speak and we are easily angered. I could speak for myself, I'm not sure for the rest of you. On the flip side of this, trying to avoid conflict isn't the answer either. It causes pain, makes us become dishonest, and often it'll come out in different ways. And I'll make an example of push a beach ball underwater, you can keep it down for so long, but then when it finally comes up, it makes a big splash. So the same with trying to avoid conflict. So how do we manage conflict positively? First off, don't engage in the game of who's right and who's wrong. Or win or lose. I'm going to win and you're going to lose. Nobody wins. What is at the heart of every conflict is the desire to be heard and to be understood. What do we need to do then, even when we're feeling hurt, angry and alone? When we're feeling angry, I think that's the last thing we want to do is actually engage with our spouse and trying to recover what we've just broken. But what we need to do is listen intently. That's so hard when we've got so much going on in our brains is to stop and listen. So it says, put, on your, put your own agenda on hold. How many times are we, you know, we're trying to recover, but all we're trying to think of is how am I going to counterattack or, you know, what's, what's my reason for we're going to this? So we're actually not listening. It's just kind of going over the, our heads. But we actually need to listen intently. Try and meet our spouses with openness, even when the only thing we want to do is actually shut them down. Deepen your understanding on why they're feeling the way they are. I know this is counterintuitive, but it's actually stopping and listening and knowing that the other person actually has another perspective. Doesn't mean they're wrong, doesn't mean I'm right, but it means that there might be another perspective and I might learn something here. Find ways that you can both be heard. When we're fired up and feeling overwhelmed and can no longer able to stay engaged in a positive way, I suggest we all call time out. Literally take some time out and cool off. If we don't, we can say things we don't mean and that we later regret. How many times do we pe hear people say, oh, I shouldn't have said what I said, I'm really sorry for what I said, I lost my cool, all of those kind of things. So it's kind of said we, we flip our lid. So take some time off, go and cool down. You know, it's a great time to pray and ask for God's wisdom. Anger and revenge might feel really good at the time, but they only heighten the conflict and make it more difficult to repair and nobody wins. Learn to compromise. Remember, we're not each other's enemies. And if you're watching, we're not survivor. We're not brawn or brains. You're on the same team. So in conflict, Gottman speak about avoiding the four horsemen of the apocalypse. What a, what a great term, the four horse, horsemen of the apocalypse. So as we know, the apocalypse talks about the end times. Very interesting label. So why do they call them this? Research has shown us that if we're using these four, often in our relationship, we know that the end is near. It disconnects us and it makes us very lonely. So what are these four horsemen? So if you've got a piece of paper and a pen, maybe jot these four down. And I think they'll sound very familiar to you. 
Number one, criticism. Isn't it great when we can judge and blame the other person? Our words can become very hurtful and destructive. So what are some of the things I might hear in someone's home? Can't you just put that dish in the sink? The dish in the dishwasher? It's the dishwasher's right there. Why do you have to put it in the sink? Put it in the dishwasher. Any friends? Please. <laughs> Thanks, Anthony. Um, so they're the kind of things that we can say. Don't you just understand? And then defensiveness. It's a natural fight back. It's a natural state to protect ourselves from the attack by attacking back. And usually with an even bigger attack. It's kind of like, oh, you should talk. Have you seen how you leave the bathroom in the mornings? I can't even find my shaver. So, you know, it's kind of like the, the big one. Then the third one, unfortunately, is contempt. It's described as the acid that burns down our relationship. It's kind of the trump card. So what's contempt? It's like criticism, but it actually attacks your spouse's personalities by being hurtful, disrespectful, belittling, come from a superior place, like I'm better than you, looking really right down your nose at them. Insults, name calling, and even eyeball rolling. I'm a bit guilty for that one. <laughs> so just be careful of that one. And number four is stonewalling. Turning emotionally or physically away from your spouse. So not listening, shutting the other person out, looking like a stone wall. It can also be withdrawing from the other person in an attempt to not be affected by the other person's attacks or criticism. These four things can pull us away from each other and cause us pain and hurt and leave us lonely and separated. So be aware of them and avoid them at all cost. So how do we manage conflict? Tell your spouse how you feel. You can hear a lot of those feeling words today. So you kind of like actually need to think about how am I feeling? So you kind of need to connect, like Joe said a couple of weeks ago, we need to connect the brain with the heart. So the brain needs to hear what the heart is thinking. So you kind of need to speak from your heart, what's going on for you. So tell them, how do you feel? Ask for what you need and what you want. So no mind reading. There's a lot of couples that say, well, he should have just known or she should have just known. That's what gets us into trouble. Nobody is a mind reader. If you want something, ask for it. Um, so, you know, one person might say, I would love it if you can have the TV off when we're having dinner so we can spend time talking together. Take some responsibility for something your partner might have pointed out. So I kind of say, yeah, I kind of get what you're saying. And make a commitment to how you might manage this differently next time. Sweetie, I'm so sorry. I'll put the dishes in the dishwasher next time. Tell your spouse what's going on for you. Describe what you're experiencing so that they can understand you better. The better they un you understand each other, the easier you can resolve conflict. Because if you know how the other person's wired up, why they're getting fired up, it gives us more information to then kind of calm the situation down and be kind to each other. When you're being overwhelmed by conflict, don't go into war. Speak about your feelings. There's a feeling word again. Ask them to speak to you in a different way or to pause the discussion. Take time to repair your conflict. Be willing to listen and talk to your spouse. Be willing to be open. Say sorry. In saying all of this, one of my greatest passages in the Bible that we hear at most weddings kind of really wraps all of these up beautifully. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. 
So I think that's a beautiful way to wrap that bit up. And the next scripture that uh, Joe referred to um, in staying connected is, you know, um, a husband shall leave his mother and wife and be joined to his wife. That talks about oneness, talks about connectedness. So number four is staying connected. Often we think it's the big things that destroy marriages, but it's actually usually the accumulation of lots of little things left unattended that actually can erode our relationship. On the flip side of this, doing the little things every day builds a great marriage. Solomon says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. And that's found in Songs of Solomon 2.15. So don't neglect the little things. Here are some things we can do. We need to put pennies in the emotional bank account every day. Feeding small acts of love every day, either verbal or nonverbal. Have fun together. I know that busyness of life can rule out fun, but fun is one of the best things. Brings joy to the heart and releases really good endorphins. Humour. Well, you can imagine we have a lot of that in our house. Joe has the Leone humour, so we're never short of humour in our home. Affection. Support each other. Relieve each other's stresses. One thing I really appreciate is Joe on his way home from work will give me a call and say, honey, is there anything I can get for you from the shops on my way home? Because he knows we're all getting home at the same time. I'm not Houdini, I can't get everything done. So it's really nice to have his support at the end of the day. Show and express appreciation and admiration. Giving compliments. Use kind words. Doing the things the other person likes. So buy Joe, Joe his favourite ice cream. And actually, the latest thing is making sure I buy the right shape of pasta that he likes. <laughs> Listening to each other, noticing the little things. I'm not throwing you under the bus, darling. Doing things together. So having mealtime together. I know that we have a very busy schedule, but mealtimes is really important for both you and your children. It's a place where it says, we belong here. This is our tribe. There's something really special about the dinner table. Being kind and loving to each other. Going for a walk. It's the way that we connect. Joe and I often go for a walk during the week. It's our downtime. It's the time that we can actually connect and have a chat saying, I love you, treasure each other, and most importantly, pray together and worship together. A family that prays together stays together. We usually uh, pray together at the end of the day. It's not a, a huge prayer, but it marks the end of our day. It gives us a time to be thankful for our day and to ask God for his protection over us and our family. So it's these little things done with intention that keep our marriages healthy and strong. So I'm going to read a beautiful quote from the Gottman book on the seven principles of making marriage work that speaks of this. So it says, At the heart of the seven principle approach is the simple truth that happy marriages are based on a deep friendship. By this I mean a mutual respect for and enjoyment of each other's company. These couples tend to know each other intimately. They are well versed in each other's likes, dislikes, personality quirks, hopes and dreams. They have an abiding regard for each other and express this fondness, not just in the big ways, but through the small gestures in the day and day out. Take the case of hardworking Nathaniel, who is employed by an import business and who works very long hours. In another marriage, his schedule might be a major liability. But he and his wife, Olivia, have found ways to stay connected. They talk or text frequently throughout the day. When she has a doctor's appointment, he remembers to call her to see how it went. When he has a meeting with an important client, she'll have she'll check in to see how it fared. When they have chicken for dinner, she gives him drumsticks because she knows he likes those the best. When he makes blueberry pancakes for the kids on Saturday morning, he'll leave the blueberries out because he knows that she doesn't like them. Although he's not religious, he accompanies her to church each Sunday because it's important to her. 
And although she's not crazy about spending time with their relatives, she has pursued a friendship with Nathaniel's mother and sisters because family matters so much to him. So that's just an example of the way that we can stay connected and check in with each other. So I pray that these principles are something that you can take home today and that we can be the best spouses that we can be for each other by the grace of God and only in his strength. Amen. I'll just hand over to Joe. So how do we have a great marriages? Well, we've talked about a few different things. Uh, building a deep friendship is one of them. It's just simple things. It's talking to each other. You know, it's, it's not rocket science. Resolving conflict and staying connected. One final thing is just never give up. Paul says to the Galatians, he says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time. Uh, we, you, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so Paul is using an agricultural uh, analogy here. And in order for the farmer to reap a harvest, he's got to do a few things. He's got to prepare the soil, plant the seed, water the crop, kill the bugs, fertilize. Be consistent with doing those things day in and day out. And at the right time, in due season, they will reap a harvest if they don't give up. And so imagine a farmer halfway through the season doesn't see a harvest and he says, well, I'll blow this, this is crazy. Walks away, stops watering, it's too hard. I don't see any fruit. What's the point of doing all of this? And they'll never get a crop. It's the same in marriage. When couples say for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, most couples aren't thinking about the poorer and, you know, the, the worse. They're always thinking about the better and the richer, you know, but um, the reality is it's not like that all the time. Marriages do go through challenging seasons and unforeseen difficulties and turbulent times. It's not so much about the tough seasons that we go through, it's what do we do in those tough seasons? It's what we do in those times. We can either walk away, or we can, we, we can, we, we can either pretend, go into denial, no, everything's fine, and we know that everything is not fine. Or we can call the elephant in the room, say our marriage is in trouble, and I'm not gonna give up on you, and I'm not gonna give up on this, so let's get some help because we're going to get through this in the name of Jesus. There's a great scripture in Hebrews that says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You just need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, it is the will of God for us to persevere in our marriages. It is the will of God. You will receive what He has promised. Uh, you, will, you receive the promise. And so it's a couple who are saying, you know what, we're not going to walk away. Things aren't good, let's get some help. Let's do something here because we're not going to give up. Now, let me just throw a caution here because I always like to, in these kind of settings here, it's to say, uh, if you're in an abusive relationship, you do need to give up. Spirit of the Bible is never to stay in an abusive relationship. Never, 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 never. You walk away from it. In the Old Testament, Moses allowed people to get divorced if there was unfaithfulness, neglect, the husband was mistreating his wife, not taking care of her. Uh, in the Old Testament, there was provision for divorce in those kind of contexts. But over time, what happened is men would start divorcing their wives for all kinds of things. I don't like the way she cooks. And a man could ask for a certificate of divorce if he just didn't like the way she cooked. It was the interpretation of the text. I don't like her anymore. I'm not attracted to her anymore. I want a newer model. Sound familiar? So Jesus actually addresses this when He said, in, in Matthew, He says, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. 
but it was not this way from the beginning. Often what causes separation is just plain stubbornness. And, and, I, and I do appreciate that marriage is not easy. I, I get it. It's tough. It's tough. Um, but I want to encourage you today, by the grace of God, that if you want to experience the benefits of a great marriage, then don't give up. Let's get help. Let's do whatever it takes. Uh, the sooner we get help, the better it's going to be that by His grace, we're going to get through this. And, and you know, that Hollywood dream that kind of, that we have, that image of, of that great marriage that we have in our minds can become a reality because it is the will of God for your life and my life. Let's do whatever it takes by the grace of God. You know, when I think about marriage and I think about the principles that we've shared today, I believe in every single principle that we've talked about today. I believe in all of them. Um, but ultimately... What makes for a great marriage is the grace of God. It's the grace of God. Um, I think about the first miracle that Jesus ever performed. He actually performed the miracle at a wedding where he turned water into wine. And I think it was fitting that it happened at a wedding ceremony because I believe every couple that kind of gets married and stays together, ultimately it's the grace of God. Ultimately, it's a miracle. A miracle is the ability to do something that cannot be done in the natural. And in the natural, I don't know, uh, you know, two people coming together, they're going to fight and they're going to squabble and they're going to they're get at each other. And, and uh, it's, it's not natural for people to give in. It takes the grace of God. It's a miracle. And I want to pray that God's grace is going to be on every single couple that is part of this family of the church. Can I hear an amen? So what I want to do to finish off, I've done this before and I, I want to do it again today uh, as I want to pray for the married couples that are here in our church because ultimately we just, we just need the help of God. We need the grace of God. We need, we need God to intervene. We're living in a world where, you know, the family unit is under attack, marriages are under attack and we need God's help in our marriages. We need God to be present in our marriage because if He's the center of our homes, then we're going to experience everything that God wants us to experience. So I'll, I want to pray for married couples here today. As I said, I've done this before. And if you're, you're a couple, I'm going to just pray for groups of, uh, of people. And um, if you feel comfortable, um, you know, you can get up and be part of it. Your spouse may not be here, but that's okay. You can, you can still stand anyway, and I'll, I'll pray for you. So the first group I want to pray, Lena, come. The first group I want to pray for is those that have been married from zero to 10 years. So zero to 10 years. If, you, if you've been married zero to 10 years, I want to pray for you. So would you just stand wherever you might be? Just, just zero to 10 years, just stand wherever you might be. Um, uh, uh, so you as a group, anybody else? Yep, beautiful. Um, you're in the most vulnerable era statistically of your marriage. Most marriages break up before 10 years. Gee, that's some good news. Aren't you glad you came to church to find out? That's awesome. I'm very encouraged this morning. Uh, it's, uh, the, the stats actually say five, six, and seven years. And usually uh, this is the years when couples have children, little children, and they're not sleeping at night and you know, drained of energy and, and so on and so on. It puts a lot of pressure on the relationship and you're still forming the relationship. And so my encouragement to you is don't, don't get careless. As Lana said before, just keep doing the things you were doing at the beginning. You know, it's, it's those phone calls. It's that spending time together. It's those date nights where you just go out and just talk and just spend time with each other. And like Lana said, it's not about the deep, meaningful chats either. It's just a, sometimes it's just about the superficial, hey, how was, how was your day? What were you doing? And so on. Try and do as many things together as you possibly can because it's going to protect your marriage. So we're going to pray for you, Lana. Why don't you pray? Amen. 
Father, we just um, commit this group uh, of couples to you, Father. Hasn't been long since um, they committed themselves to each other. And Father God, let um, those vows resound in their hearts again today. Father, they could continue to grow closer to each other, Father, and uh, closer to you, because uh, we know that ultimately what we need is you um, at, the, at the top of our triangle, that uh, you're at the top of our home and the top of our relationship. So, Father, just uh, just continue to nurture them and be with them, bless them, fill them with your Holy Spirit, Father, and let them seek after you so that then they can have a, a greater and more rewarding relationship. I just pray that you would protect them from the, the darts of the enemy, Father, that will come against them to try and separate and, and cause division, Father, because we know that that's uh, the, the ultimate scheme of the enemy to bring division. So Lord, just keep them close, keep them tight and keep them close to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated, thank you. Uh, then there's the 11 to 20 years. Can you be married 11 to 20 years? Would you stand with me? 11 to 20 years. Well, here we go. Man, awesome. What a great group. 11 to 20 years. Um, you've shared probably about half your adult life with your partner. Uh, you've already kind of beaten the statistical odds um, it, it, with marriage. If you're 10 to 20 years, statistically, you're in a safer territory. You've probably weathered some storms, build on your marriage. Um, the, the biggest thing in this particular age group is you can become complacent. Um, you've spent a lot of years together and you can start to sort of think, oh, well, they're always going to be here or everything's going to be okay. Not necessarily so. Don't take each other for granted and just keep the romance burning. Keep finding ways to spend time together. Keep finding ways to be able to get away together and spend some time together. Keep those flames burning. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray for this group of people and I just pray that your hand would be upon them in Jesus' name. What a, what a powerful group, Lord God. I just pray that even as they're raising their kids and the, the, the many, many, many decisions that need to be made, Lord God, I just pray that you would guide them and lead them. Build a hedge of protection around their marriage and their homes in Jesus' name, that they would serve you and serve your purposes, Lord God, I pray. Father, you know how the enemy would come in continuously and attack in different areas and in different ways. But Lord, bless and protect by your Spirit, I pray. And I thank you for what you're going to do in and through their lives in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Uh, the next group is 21 to 30 years. 21 to 30 years. Here we go. Here we go. As you can tell, they took a little bit longer to stand up. You know what I mean? It's just, just you can just see. Yeah. Um, congratulations and well done. Come on, give them a hand. Come on. These should be the payoff years for you. Kids should be leaving home. Although these days, they'll be around for a long time. Don't worry. Um, and uh, for some of you, you're going to be left with the two of you. And sometimes you would have heard about the empty nest syndrome and, and where your whole married life has been about the children and now you're back to just the two of you. And for some of you, that's fantastic. It's great. But for others, you're going to have to do some work and to rebuild the marriage again. And uh, don't despair because these could be the best years of your life. These will be the best years of your life. And I just want to congratulate you for staying faithful to God and staying faithful to each other. And, you know, working through those tough years and getting to the other side. May God bless you and continue to do so because you're going you're gonna to reap uh, the harvest of an amazing marriage. Come on, Lena. Pray for Amen. Father, would you bless this group of couples as they've reached this milestone? Thank you, Father, for keeping them safe and together. I also pray right now that you would continue to strengthen them, Father, and to 
just keep on growing their relationship so they can be the best they can be for each other and continue to, to serve you and find their purpose as a couple in you, Father. Would you bless them, guide them, be with them, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Finally, it's the uh, 31 plus, 31 plus years. Would you stand? 31 plus years. Come on, give them a hand. Look around. <laughs> 31 plus years. Look at them. Come on, keep going. Come on, give them a hand. Come on, look at these guys. What's the first thing you notice about the, all these people? What is, what's the first thing you notice? They're young. What are you talking about? Come on. They're a bit older, but they're smiling. A little bit less hair, but they're smiling in Jesus' name. <laughs> um, you folks play a, a, a more important role in this church and in society than you know. Because you prove to a whole younger generation that it can be done. You can make a commitment at a marriage altar and with the help of God and a lot of hard work, you can sustain that commitment. So you need, we need examples like you. The Bible talks about the fathers and the mothers of the church. And that's what you are to us. You're an example that we can get through this by the grace of God, that we can work through those challenges by the grace of God and we can endure and God can help us get through so that we can experience an amazing marriage by His grace and for His glory. Let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for this amazing group of people that have endured and have uh, worked through even those tough times, that when temptations have come, they've resisted those temptations, kept their eyes upon you, Lord God, and worked through every challenge and every difficulty and can now reap the harvest of a, of a, a great marriage. Be with them, I pray. Let them truly become the fathers and the mothers of our church, of this house, Lord God. We thank you for their example, Lord God. Use them for your glory, I pray. That They will serve you and serve your purposes, Lord God. And that they can be a, a, a source of encouragement to younger couples, Lord God. So that we can believe that, Lord God, that you can do great things in and through our lives. This is our prayer. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. But everybody else stand together, stand to your feet. Thank you so much. Um, let me pray for you as a congregation. Father, I just thank you for this morning and I thank you for what you've invested in our lives. And Father, we thank you that the church is it's not just a group of people that are gathering together. We're family. We're family. You're our Father. And Lord, I just thank you that when you're part of our family, Lord God, we're able to be everything you've called us to be. So continue to unite us together so that we can be everything that you've called us to be. We love you so much, Lord God. And we just want to serve you, Lord God. And I just pray for all the single people that are here, Lord God. I just pray that your hand would be upon them, that you would continue to bless them, guide them, lead them, Lord God, that as they look to their future, potential future marriage, Lord God, that your hand would be upon them. And Father, there are those here, Father, that have been through some very difficult marriages that have had to separate or even divorce, Lord God. And, and Father, you know all those wounds and the brokenness, Lord God. I just pray that you would minister healing to them. In the name of Jesus, just come alongside of them, Lord God. Let your blessing and favor be upon them, Lord God.
We want to honour you, Lord God, in everything that we do. And we thank you, Lord God. Be glorified this morning, I pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. You have a great week. And we'll see you again next week. Amen.